For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, August 25th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about She-Hulk, Episode 2, Superhuman Law. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. How you doing, Brad? Not too bad. How about you, Peter? I'm good. I'm good. Are you, re- uh, are you ready for, for D23 coming up here soon? Oh, yeah. What is that? Is that next week? No, it's not next week. It's, no, it's two weeks. Yeah, yeah, two weeks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting excited, but also nervous because... Brad, have you ever been to D23? No, because uh, you live in uh, Los Angeles, so whenever Slash Film yeah. did D23 coverage, you're always the one to go for us. Yeah. Um, Brad, Disney fans love waiting in lines. Oh, boy. It's like their number one pastime. So there's like lines for everything. Yikes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, get prepared to wait in some lines, but no, it's fun. Like those presentations that they give at D23 are like, you know, maybe better than anything at Comic-Con aside from me, the Marvel panels. Yeah. It's like that good of like, they, they pull out all the stops and they bring out all the stars and they'd have big surprises and show footage that doesn't get shown anywhere else. But um, and, and I'm sure we'll do some podcasts about that uh, once you get back on the Monday after. Yeah, for sure. Ta- ta- yeah. So, but stay tuned to slashfilm.com uh, for more information on D23. But there's going to be a lot to be announced, I think, because they have a panel on all the Disney theatrical stuff. They have a panel on Lucasfilm and Marvel. And did you see they added Fox to that? Yeah, Fox is part of yeah part of the uh, the the main one of the two main studio panels. So I'm I'm sure they'll probably have uh, Avatar stuff to show, and who knows? What oh, Avatar! I was gonna say, what is going on at Fox? Because I can't even think of anything in production at yeah, Fox. Yeah, right Avatar, Avatar for sure. Yeah, good call. Okay, let's get into She-Hulk. What everybody is is listening for. Uh, but actually, before we get into this episode, let's go into some feedback from last week's episode. So uh, in last last week's episode, I was talking about Hulk and the the rights to Hulk and why Marvel can't do a Hulk movie. He's always a supporting character in like the Avengers films and Thor Ragnarok. It's because Universal owns the theatrical rights and probably even the TV rights to the Incredible Hulk. And I, I asked if anybody knew, you know, that deal and while i didn't get any complete details someone who doesn't want to be named 
and I cannot confirm that this is true, claims that the Universal deal with the Incredible Hulk ends next year. Oh. And that'd be 15 years after the release of the last movie. So maybe there's something to that. And, um, you know, maybe if they wanted to do a Planet Hulk movie, Brad, <laughs> maybe that would give them enough, enough time to do one. Uh, yeah, I mean, potentially, I, I I suppose that would make the most most sense. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to talking about that. Uh, actually, we'll get to talking about that right now because we have another letter here. Uh, this one's from Matthew from Toronto, Canada. And uh, he says, you mentioned the possibility of bringing in Hulk's son. Since time runs differently on Sakaar, Hulk's son could already be an adult. As they showed in Thor Ragnarok when Thor was behind Loki by just a few seconds, but arrived several weeks later. After uh, th- There are some theories online that the MCU might be trying to set up World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. There's, there, there's rumors of both those things. Uh, however, I'm speculating something a bit different in that Marvel will use Hulk's son for the Young Avengers. There's this character among the Young Avengers called Hulkling. Uh, in the comics, he isn't the son of the Hulk but a super scrawl who cheap shifts and mainly looks like teenage Hulk. And in the comics, he's also, he's actually the son of the original captain Marvell and a skull princess and uh, the, the heir, the heir to the skull empire, scroll empire. Uh, I, I don't think that would work uh, with the changes they've made to captain Marvell and the scrolls in captain Marvel, but having Hulkling, son of hulk removes the convoluted backstory that means that the mcu has one more character for some of the young avengers project so brad what, what do you think of this theory of bringing in uh you know hulk's son yeah i mean uh this is kind of what i mentioned uh in the last episode and that they could use uh hulk's son as a character and get his own movie or show without violating that uh, universal deal, if it was something they wanted to move forward with, and that deal, you know, isn't expired, and Marvel isn't in full control of the Hulk rights yet. Um, But it would also be, you know, a way to introduce a new character that isn't the primary Hulk, so that they don't have to keep using Mark Ruffalo, and that way they have, you know, another member for a potential Young Avengers team-up. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I just wonder, like, I don't know, is... It, the the details of Hulkling sound different enough to be you know differentiated from the the main Hulk, but is it different enough to like make sense as a new character? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I will say that I always love how the Marvel Cinematic Universe takes the con uh, the comics, which are so convoluted at times, and like just simplifies them and makes it like like the best version of what it could possibly be. And uh, I could totally see them doing this and I could totally see them not doing it. But you, you make a good point. You know, why do you need Hulkling in this Young Avengers anyways? Uh, I mean, is she? I guess she Hulk's too old to be in the Young Avengers, right? Um, Probably, yeah. Because yeah. like most of the Young Avengers that we've met so far, are like teens to early 20s, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I do think that there's something going on with Planet Hulk and possibly World War Hulk. And we can talk about that later in this podcast. Uh, and, you know, it would be interesting to have Hulk have a kid. I don't know. I, I would like to see this come true. I, I'm going to say that. Uh, I'm not sure if this is true, but I'd like to see this come true. Okay, let's um, let's talk about episode two, Superhuman Law. Brad, what are your brief thoughts? Um, 
I think that it was okay. Um, you know, I I still am struggling with, and this is this is really actually where the struggles begin, since the first episode wasn't really like this. Is balancing the the legal comedy side of things with the superhero side of things um and having it not feel like a poor mishmash of bringing these two things together um i don't know what it is but like that's the comedy in the show just doesn't feel as good as it does in in the movies and uh and part of it like may come from the fact that the show even though it does have a bigger budget kind of feels cheap you know um i don't know if it's just because she hulk still doesn't look quite as good as mark ruffalo's hulk um but but yeah i mean it's there, there's some decent things in here tatiana maslany continues to be great um but yeah i don't know i'm just i'm, I'm not connecting with the show in the way that i that i hope that i would interesting see i i actually liked the second episode I, you know in, in the pantheon of the marvel cinematic universe disney plus shows is it like top tier no <laughs> you know it, it's somewhere in the middle i think lower middle but I think, you know, last week I said that I didn't really know what this show was. And I feel like this episode gives me a much better indication of what we're in for. So much so that I wish they had released these first two episodes together. It almost feels like a two-parter. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, that's fair. And um, it... It... Um, I don't know. It also seemed like in this episode, the filmmaking was a little bit more confident in its execution, maybe because there wasn't like, you know, action. It was more comedy based character, comedy based. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I just feel like I was more, I'm, I'm not sure if this episode was better than last week, but I'm just, uh, I'm enjoying the show more than last than I, I was still very hesitant last week. Now I'm a little, like, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is pretty good. And I, I also want to say as someone who loves hour long dramas, I hate to admit this, but I really enjoyed how quick into the point this 30 minute episode was. Like yeah, it flew by. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I appreciate the shorter runtime as well. I'm just not sure that the, yeah. you know, the show is even sustaining that even, you know, even though it's shorter. Have you seen what's been going on on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, Brad? Are, are there review bombing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Every time a show featuring a character of color or a female character comes along, all the bros got to come in and be like, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> The, 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 the critical reviews are not matching up to the audience reviews. Why is that? <laughs> we don't know. Um, okay. Anyways, uh, I guess let's jump into the episode. Or did you have anything else to say in brief thoughts? No, I don't think so. We'll, we'll get into it as we go along with the, this episode breakdown. Yeah. Uh, so this and last week's episode were both directed by Kat Koro. She Kat directed uh, the film Marry Me. Starring J Lo and Owen Wilson. Did you see that film? Brad? I did. Did you like it? Uh, yeah. You know, it's um, it's a very cheesy um romantic comedy, but it's the kind of romantic comedy like they don't typically uh make anymore, especially for theaters. These kind of movies usually end up on Netflix, and this one is like it was a step above what you normally see on Netflix. Not quite as good as like a classic romantic comedy like a a Notting Hill or something like that, but. Uh, it was it was enjoyable. There was there was some funny you know weird stuff in it, but Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson had some pretty 
decent chemistry and it was it was amusing and it, it just felt like a nice throwback to romantic comedies that they don't really make anymore yeah i remember it was getting some good audience scores on rotten tomatoes so it was kind of like a, a crowd pleaser critics didn't seem to love it as much um, but anyways cat got her start writing directing and producing like micro budget indies she did like, she had this like 2013 festival favorite called and while we were here and uh that was that movie <laughs> that movie i was like looking up information on her that movie was shot in italy in 11 days for one hundred fifty thousand dollars while she was eight months pregnant wow impressive yeah, uh, she's directed a bunch of TV, including Dead to Me, Shameless, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, she directed pilots for Tina Fey's Girls Five Eva. Did you ever see? Did you see that? I haven't watched it yet. I've heard good things, but I, I just haven't taken time to wa- to watch it. It's on Peacock. So yeah, and Florida Girls, and uh, she directs the first four episodes of the series and the last two, and um, yeah. So I, I think she's shown a great strength in comedic directing when it's more character-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that later. Okay, so this episode opens with news clips covering what's happened, what happened in the courtroom at the end of last week's episode. And my favorite detail here, Brad, it might be there's a scroll on the bottom of one of the news telecasts, mm-hmm. and it says that... Uh, Titania's lawyers are claiming that the entire incident was, quote, an unfortunate misunderstanding and, quote, the result of extreme case of low blood sugar. (laughs) Okay. And she's also – the other thing I learned here is Titania is a super influencer. Yes. So not all super uh, people are heroes. Correct. Some of them are – that's interesting. It is. Do you have any thoughts on super influencers? Um, they're probably worse than regular influencers. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, and of course, she ends up getting her name from the reports, just as Hulk predicted last week. He was like, you know, you don't get to name yourself. They, they give the name to you. And of course, Jennifer hates it. Uh, a lot of Marvel movies and shows do this where they almost seem embarrassed of the comic book uh origins that spawn them always like finding a need to like mock the superhero name um a bunch of times and usually this annoys me but here i kind of like it because everybody's kind of chanting it when she like enters the bar you know hulk likes it later on everybody seems to like the name she hulk but it's not she's the only one that doesn't like it and that's probably further her story to like not accept the role as a superhero kind of thing um okay so she gets some free drinks for being a superhero and uh says but being an avenger won't pay her bills give her health care or any kind of benefits right how do how do superheroes make money in the marvel cinematic universe uh it's a good question i mean i feel like it was probably different when they were employed by the government and also when uh, Tony Stark was around because they didn't really yeah. have to worry about uh, making money because Tony could probably kind of just get them whatever they needed and take care of it. Um, which actually raises an interesting question as to like what has you know happened to Tony's estate? You know, like is Pepper in control of it now? What's she doing with it? Is she like maintaining anything to do with the the Avengers? Um, that that that's an interesting 
area that has yet to be explored because we, we we explored a small part of it when uh peter parker was given you know those glasses and access to um edith i think it was was that the name of the thing yeah um even in death yeah yeah i'm, the, he- I'm the hero yeah. yeah um yeah so that's you know I, I feel like that's probably maybe they did get paid by tony uh or maybe they maybe people like cap and black widow and stuff were probably paid by the government since they were officially meant to be kind of like agents of shield and then just agents of the government when the Sokovia Accords came along. But uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's an interesting point. You know what? Maybe we should figure this out, Brad, because these heroes are, are saving us. They, they saved half the population. You know, they had disappeared for years. Yeah. They came back and, you know, Falcon can't even get a loan. I mean, sorry, uh, Captain America. Well, he was Falcon at the time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Captain America can't even get a loan. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there should be some money in the budget of at least this country to go to the superheroes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if if they'll if we'll ever. I, I, I'm guessing at some point they have to address how superheroes make their money because this is the second time that it's kind of like been pointed out in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Jennifer's boss shows up, tells her the case was declared a mistrial. And fires her because she's now a liability. She can't, you know, any she can't represent anybody uh, for the DA. Um, and then we have the delightful reveal of She-Hulk, attorney for hire. The yeah. logo. Yeah, that was a pretty funny gag. Yeah. Um, probably one of the better jokes in this episode. Uh, so Jennifer gets turned down by every reputable law firm in the city. And I, I love how in this montage you see the law firms that she's um, giving interviews at, like getting dingier and growth. Like she started out at like the glamorous one. And like, by the end, like the wall was like the lights kind of out and there's like things falling out of the, the drawer behind her. And it's just like, she's, she's gotten down to like her, like the end of the list of the law firms that she's willing to like yeah. consider. Yeah. So Jen is dejected, looking at a website listing 10 off-beach jobs for a fresh start. I don't think – a lot of the jokes in this episode are not hitting, Brad. Yes. Yeah, the the comedy is rough throughout this series. I will say on this webpage, did you you pause and look at the Easter eggs on this webpage? Yes, we uh, we actually wrote about them on the old slash film.com. What is your favorite of the bunch? Uh, well, my favorite is definitely the one that seems to be uh, a reference to good old Wolverine, uh, which is kind of cool, actually, because uh, f- those Marvel Comics fans who love Wolverine will tell you that Wolverine actually debuted uh, in an Incredible Hulk comic before ac- becoming a, a big popular character and being part of the X-Men. Uh, so having a, a, Hulk- a Wolverine reference in She-Hulk seems rather appropriate since we're still waiting for the X-Men to enter the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. And the line you're saying is on the sidebar, there's like related articles. And one says, man fights with metal claws in a bar brawl. Yeah, and Wolverine is just the right kind of person to have metal claws and get into a bar fight. (laughs) Okay, question, Brad. Yes. We know that Wolverine will eventually be brought into the MCU, that the X-Men are eventually going to be, you know, they've said that they're working on it. Mm-hmm. We don't have a date to a movie or anything yet. We don't know if they're going to be in this, in the multiverse saga or not, or if that's going to be after that. Do you think that Wolverine is actually around in the MCU, MCU 616 at this time? 
I mean, it seems like it. That that could always just be like a cheeky thing where like they could yeah. retcon and be like, no, that wasn't Wolverine. It was just some other superhero with metal claws. There, there are plenty of superheroes <laughs> with metal claws out there. Um, but at, at, it, it doesn't even say superhero. Just this man with fights with metal claws. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and they should, so they could easily just retcon that, and you know, uh, but it would be yes. I, I feel like this, you know, could easily be laying the groundwork for the uh, the X Men to make an appearance here. Yeah, uh, not, not, next... not necessarily in She Hulk, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large at some point. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, the next article on the list is why there is why there is a statue of a man sticking out of the ocean. Yes, which seems to be a reference to the ending of Eternals. Indeed, which is weird because that's not a statue of a man. I mean, it it is and it isn't. Like it 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 looks like. Uh, a, a statue of a man just in some kind of, you know, costume or gear. Think about yeah. how many superheroes we've seen. And so I'm sure the people of earth probably don't have any frame of reference for what a celestial is or something like that. So they probably don't have any way to mention it and, and except other than saying, Oh, it's just a statue of a giant man. Yeah. There's also um, an ad for Iron Man threes, which look like, like the hot new sneakers of the moment. I always love little details like this. Like I love when they mention like that, that Hulk and uh, Iron Man have Ben and Jerry's flavors. And of course in this world, like superheroes would be so popular that they would have their own line of sneakers, just like somebody like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. And I would love a pair of Iron Man threes. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, Iron Man makes the most sense to have that. So for sure. Uh, And um, also worth mentioning, there's an AR, or the uh, QR code on the top that brings you to another free She-Hulk comic. So if you want to pause it and scan that, you'll get yourself a free comic. And then also on the top of the page, there's a bunch of like subsections. Like there's like Avengers and like some news topics and stuff. But then there's like, where is Ant-Man? It's like one of the subsections. Oh, why I, didn't, are people... I, didn't, I didn't see that. Interesting. Yeah. Why are people looking up where is Ant-Man? Is he is he missing? Yeah, I don't know. That's like really curious. Or or maybe he has like maybe he has his own like travel blog. <laughs> oh, me, me I mean, yeah, he does have his own podcast, right? We yeah. learned that in it's Marvel. So maybe maybe it is a travel blog where he goes around and talks about yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's like uh, a like an educational thing. Like he shrinks down and goes into something or gets like on a very small level and you have to try and guess where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh Oh, I get what you're saying. So instead of like crosswords or like comic pages of like that, uh, the website, it's like a where's Waldo kind of. No, no. I was so like, you, you know how, like when you look at things like on a microscopic level, like you can't tell oh, like what they are. Yeah. Like it would be like a picture of him somewhere and like you have to try and figure out you know what he's inside or where he's at Hmm. okay let's move on because i'm sure none of this will come into play later on but it's fun to talk about uh jennifer goes to a family dinner and uh his her father morris is played by mark lynn baker who He's one of these actors that if you put on TV, you'll see him as like a judge, a doctor, a father, a police officer. He's like in a lot of stuff, but he's probably best known as what, Brad? You tell me. Oh, you don't know? I think I know, but I I actually, I, I meant to look this up and then I forgot after I watched the rest of the episodes. 
Oh, okay. Hold it's on, hold on, let me guess. Yeah. Is it uh, um, the the greatest American hero? Oh, is he in that? Oh no, maybe I'm just I wrong. Then. That up. Maybe I just don't no. know. Maybe I just don't know then. <laughs> You know, you actually don't know. It's uh, Larry Appleton, one of the main characters from the show Perfect Strangers. Oh, Perfect Strangers! Yeah, of course, duh. Yeah, he was uh, not Belky, but the the other guy. The other guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, who's Larry Appleton? Um, but did you uh, watch Perfect Strangers? So I I remember seeing like bits and pieces and episodes here and there when I was a kid, but it's not something that I watched regularly. I used to watch it. It probably ages me quite a bit. And I remember seeing the last episode where they, spoiler alert for Perfect Strangers, which had 150 episodes and has been off the air for many years. But they like move out of the house. Like it's like these two people that are living together and they're like, you know, an odd couple kind of thing. Um, and they move out. And I, it, it's my first memory of ever like crying about something in a TV show. It made me sad. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, uh, Tess Kincaid plays her mother Elaine, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's in Ozark. She has a, a big FBI agent character in that. Um, what did you think of the whole family dinner sequence? Uh, it was nice. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a typical family dinner sequence that you expect to see in a lot of sitcoms like this, where uh, you know she she gets a little bit of ribbing from her siblings um, and. No one really like understands like the position that she's in. It's you know we, we've seen plenty of scenes like this before, and this one you know hit all the typical benchmarks of that. Yeah, and um, I love how the cousin Chad totally didn't understand what direction to take and not to talk about it, and he's just like saying everything. And uh, her father's obsessed about what what happens to Hawkeye's arrows, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good question, right? Yeah, like, someone has to pick them up. Yeah. I mean, they're dangerous weapons that just are left all over New York. Exactly. Uh, I kind of hope that this show, in a way, explores these kind of things. And by that, I mean um, how the Marvel Cinematic Universe works through the eyes of the law in that, like, how... (laughs) You know, I think there could be great humor in superhero law. Like, you know, who's responsible for the... uh, you know, when a superhero ends up taking out a, a bad guy, but ends up destroying something. I, I mean, we know Department of Damage Control is there to clean it up, but like, who pays for all that? Like, what? I feel like there's some the some fun stuff to be had there. Uh, do you remember that show, uh, Powerless? I didn't remember until you mentioned it. Yeah, exactly. It was a very short-lived uh, series on NBC that took place in the DC universe. Um, and it followed a, um, like some normal people who worked at, uh, like the director who was the director of research and development at Wayne security. Um, and then these people who like specialize in creating products for ordinary humans who are like supposed to be, who eventually become, you know, victims of the battle between superheroes and supervillains. So like they kind of like dealt with the mundane side of living in a world where there were superheroes and like you could be in danger of having, you know, your car blown up in the middle of a superhero battle or something like that. That actually sounds like fun. Was it a good show? I never watched it and it didn't last for more than 12 episodes, so it doesn't sound like it. Uh, okay, then moving on. Uh, so she has a heart to heart with her father and he gives her some like sage advice 
And I'm kind of curious how different her father's role is going to be from Bruce Banner's role in the series, because they kind of so far kind of serving the same purpose. I mean, I think with Hulk, he probably offers like the kind of fatherly, you know, or even like uncle kind of figure, you know, even though they're cousins, he, the advice he offers is one that comes from superhero experience from, from being the Hulk and how to deal with that side of her life. Whereas her father, I think probably will have a little bit more to offer when it comes to like offering her advice that helps her uh, as a person, maybe a little bit more grounded, emotional kind of stuff. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Holden Holloway, who was the lawyer representing the defendant of the court case last week, approaches Jennifer at the bar and offers her a job at his law firm, which is GLK and H. Which, Brad, did you know that that's a reference to three Marvel creators? I did not. So. G is the Marvel publisher, Martin Goodman. L is Stan Lee. And K is Jack Kirby. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All the way. So that's nobody. But um, anyways, uh, so this is exactly what happens in the comics with him approaching her. But what doesn't happen here is in the comics, Hallway places a condition that She-Hulk would have to work in her human form at the at the law firm. But here it's like completely different where he wants her to be She-Hulk. Yeah. Working on the superhuman law division. So interesting that they changed that. Um, Okay. So she's stared at and gawked at as she gets a tour of the law offices and she talks to the audience through the camera. And I, I really don't, I'm not loving the fourth wall breaks. I usually love fourth wall breaks. Yeah. I love when Deadpool does it. Here it feels weird for some reason. I wanted to uh, run this by you and see if what you thought. I'm wondering if it's partially motivated. Here, like visually, it's weird. Like she, ke- they keep switching the camera angle, and then she looks at the camera in a different area. And I feel like usually the fourth wall breaks. Like the person goes to like an actual, like you know, an invisible wall and looks out at the the audience and like the audience is in that area for when they're talking and then they move back to, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's, I, I think for me, the biggest problem with the fourth wall is it just, it kind of feels like it's not as clever as it should be. And it feels like an excuse for them to make excuses for some of the stuff that maybe isn't as strong when it comes to, uh, the writing or like the the cameo gimmicks and like little things like that because she hope does break the fourth wall in the comics but it is just i think in the age of you know seeing how good it's been done in deadpool and then also the fact that this is trying to emulate fleabag where it's done extremely well and the show is you know phenomenally well written that it just feels like it comes up short yeah um and uh if you look closely you'll also see one of her coworkers has a wall of comic books which might seem odd but in the comics, one of her coworkers had a collection of comics, uh, and we learned that superheroes have licensed their likenesses out. We saw Captain America, first Avenger, there was a comic of Captain, uh, uh, Captain America, so that's not like anything new. Um, but yeah, so th- that's why that's there, I'm guessing. Uh, the good news is 
She was able to bring her paralegal Nikki along with her to the new job, and she points out how nice their office is, how great their view is, how great their desk is. And we meet Pug, who is also in the superhuman law division and has a welcome basket that includes a map to the good bathroom to poop in. Brad, have I mentioned how the jokes are not really working? You have, <laughs> you have, you have. <laughs> what did you think of the poop map joke? Uh, you know, there have been jokes about good bathrooms uh, in places like this before, and they've been done a lot better. And this is like, there's just so many jokes in here that feel like they're retreads of better jokes in better shows. And I think that's my biggest problem with the, the comedy overall. Yeah. And uh, Pug is the the character's full name is actually Augustus Puglis. And that is another character that's in the comics. In the comics, he's an NYU school of law graduate that put him through law school by working as a bouncer at a nightclub. And his life was saved by Spider-Man after he was attacked by four members of a crime family. And ever since, he has dedicated his career to helping superhumans and and thanks of that. And uh, the actor here, John... Sagara is uh, he was on Arrow. He was in Trainwreck, that movie with uh, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, She-Hulk is assigned to represent Emil Blonsky, uh, a.k.a. the Abomination, which she very much doesn't want to do. But she doesn't have a, cho- a choice in that matter because if she doesn't, she doesn't have a job. So... Uh, Wait, should, should we recap? Who is Abomination for those people who might not remember the Incredible Hulk, Incredible Hulk movie that came out almost 15 years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, so this is a character played by Tim Roth in The Incredible Hulk. Uh, he was originally just a normal human, uh, a soldier who was tasked by Thunderbolt Ross to lead a team to take down Edward Norton's version of The Incredible Hulk. Um, and Tim Roth's character ended up kind of being mesmerized and impressed by the power that the Hulk showed. And so uh, he asked to be given um, an enhancement in a similar fashion, but unfortunately it didn't work quite uh, in the same way as it did with Hulk. It was even more um, out of control and kind of turned him into more of a monster even than Hulk. And so he became a villain uh, that turned out to... uh, be a big monster and Hulk and abomination fought and destroyed things. And uh, yeah, it was a big problem. (laughs) Yeah. So she is going to meet him and a super maximum security prison run by the department of damage control. And I actually didn't realize this, Brad, but do you know that we've seen this prison two other times in the MCU? Have we really? Yeah. So, I, and by the way, I only found this out because of, of Wikipedia, so uh, I'm not claiming to know this. So we briefly saw this prison in Shang-Chi when Wong uses a portal to bring a Abomination back to his cell. Oh, interesting. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, uh, and then in episode three of Miss Marvel, the clandestines are arrested and imprisoned in the Supermax prison operated by the DODC and... They break out. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how did the idiots <laughs> at the D, uh, Department of Damage Control get to be in charge of running a super maximum security prison? I don't know. Well, I mean, to be fair, the Department of Damage Control was something that was founded by Tony Stark. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this is loosely based on the cube, a super max prison in the comics. 
So they walk through a wall of lasers. What? Why? Why did they walk through a wall of lasers? I don't even understand what the point of that was. Is that set up for something else? Something later? I, yeah, I'm sure that there's something about what the the wall and like how it works and something like that, and then it'll probably be you know manipulated or used or like hacked into to yeah for some other use or something like that. Who knows? But yeah, there's there's something with that. I'm sure. Yeah, there's a bunch of things here. Like she's instructed not to step over the yellow line, which I thought was like a clear like setup for something later on. And she she steps over for a second, and then there's like an alarm that goes off. But like, I feel like if you're gonna write that into a script, it must have something more to it. But I don't know. Maybe I think it was kind of meant more so just to like lean into that. Uh, there's a direct reference, you know, a cheeky joke about it, but this being like very si- uh, Silence of the Lambs, and that's you know something that they did with Hannibal Lecter as well. So yeah. Yeah, uh, the the guard shuts that down pretty quickly. Again, qu- qu- quite in- incredible humor here in the <laughs> on display here. Uh, so Tim Tim Roth is back uh, here, and he's wearing some nice Crocs, Brad. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> I like this scene because he gives us his backstory, uh, and like, I love that they're kind of pulling a Cobra Kai with the character where. He's telling you what happened through his perspective, which might not actually be the case or not, depending on how you look at it. And it really, you know, ends with him saying, I thought I was the good guy. I thought I was going to be Captain Bloody America. Um, Is this just like a criminal trying to make himself look innocent or do you actually think he believes this way? No, I mean, even in The Incredible Hulk, he he never really like set out to be a villain you know he had a job to do and he probably felt like if he was given that amount of power and strength he could use it to do good things in his position you know be a soldier that actually uh was heroic because at the time you know they viewed hulk as a threat you know it's not like he viewed hulk as someone that needed to be uh destroyed or anything like that and the only reason you know he kind of lost as abomination was because of how uh you know the kind of it kind of went wrong you know so he was like a different version of abomination then and now it seems like kind of similar to professor hulk he seems to have it more under control whether or not he really you know has turned a leaf and is you know more chill and doesn't have an axe to grind that remains to be seen but but yeah i I think that there probably was you know at one time more noble intentions and maybe there still are but uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll find out sooner or later i think yeah and i think it's to roth's credit as an actor of how like sympathetic and how believable the story i don't know like it, it just like hit all the right notes um also we learned he's been sending haikus to the victims expressing his sorrow uh one of them that we learned in the next scene hulk thought was heartfelt what are your thoughts on on abomination haikus. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, just one of those funny little touches. That was a, a gag that I also uh, enjoyed as well. Yeah, no, I like that too. Uh, maybe maybe Marvel will release a book of abominations haikus. <laughs> um, Hulk is totally okay with her taking Blonsky's case, and we learn that he won't be in LA anytime soon. As we pull back to reveal, he's in a Sakarian spacecraft or what looks to be a Sakarian spacecraft and it like jumps to hyperspace or whatever it does. And uh, Brad, what is going on here? Or can you talk about this? Because I know you've seen more episodes. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I, <laughs> okay. You can't talk about yeah, this. Yeah. But, but at the same time, 
yeah, I don't I don't want to say anything one way or the other, but like, yeah, well, you'll just you'll just see, I guess, what happens. Okay. I think I think suffice it to say, I think that this is probably set up for something that will pay off later and not immediately. Okay. I'm I'm guessing he's going into Sakar, is what my guess is. Why he needs to go to Sakar, I don't know. Even even if I hadn't seen the next two episodes, my speculation would still be that this has something to do with what Hulk uh, or Bruce Banner at the time uh, was doing in collaborating with Captain Marvel about that credit scene that we saw after Shang-Chi. Oh wait, what was that? Can you remind me? Remember that was when they were talking about the origins of the rings and that like they definitely had some kind of uh, oh. cosmic quality to them and but they didn't really know where where they were from or some, something like that, but it was, it was definitely like a tease as to like so there's some more information here that uh, they were consulting with Bruce Banner and uh, Captain Marvel um, about and Wong was in that scene as well. So I still think she's he's going to Sakaar, and this is set up for Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, but I don't know, maybe not. Um, okay, so Jennifer alerts Hallway that she's taking on the Blonsky, Blonsky's case, and uh, he seems so relieved to hear that she's on board, which makes me wonder what his motives are, because, uh, you know, this is like a high-end law firm which usually probably deals with lots of money but he's doing like this like uh what do you call that case when you're doing it for free pro bono, in pro bono case and I, I i we've already established that superheroes don't get paid money so why would they want to be taking on superhero like why would he start a whole division for superheroes if they if there's no money in it so Oh, no, I'm I'm curious about that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um uh she says she has 100% in the the case 100% in the bag, but then we see on the news footage of Abomination participating in, in an underground fight club after apparently having broken out of prison. I do like this comedy cliffhanger of her being like, "Well, that sucks." <laughs> uh what, what did you think of the ending of this episode? Um, I like the, the comedic ending. Um, and this is, this, this is something that kind of plays out too, as the series goes on, but also, I don't know. There's something about the show that doesn't really feel like it has any stakes yet. And granted, that is something that kind of the Marvel shows have done where it takes them a little while to build up to what, like the real threat is and find out what's going on. Um, but because these episodes are so short and because like, everything feels kind of so light already. I'm having trouble like latching on to the, the story of the show itself. You know, I think uh, Jennifer is an intriguing character and Tatiana Maslany plays her well, but the way it's playing out so far, it's not something that I am, uh, you know, eagerly anticipating every week, you know, it's as of this point, it's kind of, I don't want to say it feels like an obligation, but like, I'm not sure how interested I would be in watching these episodes immediately if it, this, we weren't doing something like this. Yeah. It's weird because it doesn't seem like she has that much of a struggle. It's more of like, oh, she's annoyed that she has superpowers right. and she now has a responsibility to, to save people. 
But like, you know, I thought this whole episode was going to be like, oh, she's out of work. It's, you know, attorney. Maybe she was going to try to start her own law for like whatever. She like went to a bunch of interviews and then someone just showed up in a bar and gave her a job. Yeah. And like, I feel like there's like no struggle there so far. Um, So I'm wondering what how how does she personally get involved in this and what is the struggle? And I'm sure that's coming up, but we really haven't seen it yet. Yeah. 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 uh okay um, uh, with this abomination footage when i first saw this i was like why would abomination go through the lengths of hiring a lawyer if he was gonna break out of jail and do that fight club thing and then i realized that that was the fight club from shang chi right so that made sense that like that's already happened, or maybe it's happening at the same. Do you think that happened is happening concurrently with Shang Chi, or do you think this is old footage from, you know? Yeah, usually Marvel's happening real time. I think yeah, kind of. I think that the no the the prison break thing was something that already happened. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I guess the biggest question is, if that already happened, probably you know months ago. Why is footage of that leaking now? Who has the benefit from framing Abomination or, you know, Blonsky in the, in this case? And uh, I'm guessing you know more about this, so you probably can't answer anything. But um, I, th- I think those are questions that we're going to find out next week. Probably safe. Or we're going to learn more next week. Uh, d- what did you think of the end credit scene? All of the end credit scenes for these episodes are are a lot of fun. Um, I you know they're they have just have enjoyable additional tidbits, and I I like seeing little you know amusing stuff like this because we you don't ever often get a glimpse into the more simple uh, everyday side of these kinds of characters. You know, like you, you're not sitting there watching Captain America going to the bathroom, you know, or or Thor uh, trying to find a good sandwich or something like that. So. <laughs> It's, you know, there, there's cool things I think they pop up that are, are, are fun like this. It's it's funny because, like, the two end credits scenes have been kind of, like, the more, more f- like, the funniest things in both of the episodes. And I wonder, like, could the episodes have felt better if those scenes were in the actual episode itself? Maybe. Um, but, like, this is also kind of a staple of... Yeah, Marvel. Uh, well, not just Marvel, but sitcoms in general too. There's usually some kind of uh, tag at the end of the episode that chronologically could have appeared somewhere else in the episode, but it's just like a little extra stinger to end the episode on a, a big laugh. Yeah. Uh, also, that the the end credits animation, like that courthouse animation that we saw last week and we see again this week, it's it's interesting that like as I, we're seeing more episodes. Some of those images that I had seen last week that didn't make sense, you know, now make you know were of scenes this week. So it's now making me look more at the 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 ones that we haven't seen and being like, how does that play into like the story? Right. Like her on Hollywood Boulevard, the fake superhero, like you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Um, okay, so I guess that's it for the the episode. Uh, let's move into speculation. I guess the. The only real bet I have here, because we kind of touched on everything else, is do we think Emil Blonsky's appearance in this series is set up for the Thunderbolts? 
Um, I think that that's certainly possible as well. They've uh, Marvel just announced Thunderbolts officially at Comic Con, and it's definitely something that's happening. So there could easily be uh, things from this show that do lead into Thunderbolts as well. And Thunderbolts is like the end of Phase Five, and it's kind of like a team up where the government. It's kind of like Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Like it's kind of like Marvel Suicide Squad. So, you know, they, they already have Abomination in jail. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense that they could use him as, I mean, they even mentioned Thunderbolt. Uh, or wait, did you mention him or did they mention it? I mean, you might have mentioned, I mentioned yeah. yeah, I mentioned him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think, I think this is obviously set up. Um, interesting that we, you know, I don't know. It's interesting the way Marvel like goes about these things. Like, do you think, <laughs> how do you think Abomination ended up in Shang-Chi? Do you think like they were working on this and they were like, we need to do this breakout thing. And then they're like, oh, let's put him in this as well. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, you have to wonder, yeah, yeah, did like, did they know they were doing She-Hulk and they needed somewhere for him to pop up or the, did they like, want to have him pop up in Shang-Chi and then they're like, oh, actually this, you know, could be a cool way to tie into She-Hulk and he needs a lawyer for some reason. Uh, you know, at, at this point, like so many things are planned in tandem with each other. It's, it's hard to tell, but Marvel is also so good at adapting to what they've created and what they've established as canon and tying it into stuff that happens later that it could go one way or the other. So yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Okay. Uh, I think that's all we have for today. Do you have any other comments on this episode? I don't think so. Forward? I think that's pretty much um, pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. You can find more of all of our work at Slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast published almost every weekday. The next month and change is going to be kind of tough. Like Ben is uh, going on vacation. So we're going to have like uh, less episodes, but uh but yeah, we'll still have uh, the recaps every week. We'll have the we'll have Star Wars coming up. When does the Andor start? Sometime mid September. Yeah, yeah. So look out for that. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peteraritzhospital.com. And please head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star rating, write us a review, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you. Uh, tomorrow, probably. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.